Okay, we just started. Um, I am extremely, 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 extremely excited uh, to have uh, Ilona Karafin with us today. Uh, Ilona is an amazing content travel content creator uh, uh, that has probably a one of the most interesting stories that we would ever have here on the podcast. So I'm super eager to start over. And, you know, before we're digging in, I would be very happy, Ilana, to give you a little bit of stage to tell about yourself, because I just want to make sure that we have the best background possible. Sure. Uh, where do I start? How far back should I go? <laughs> let's go with the content creation and uh, let's go back home, I guess. Sure. Okay. So I'm a first generation immigrant in the U.S. My family left as Jewish refugees from Ukraine back in 96. So that was my first flight that I ever took was in 96 to New York. And every summer since then, since I was five years old, I would travel to Ukraine by myself. Like my parents would hand me off to flight attendants and then flight attendants would hand me off to my grandparents like 10 hours later when I landed. So I think if I were to go back to when this travel bug started, that's probably when because that was my first solo trip. Um, but fast forward, I was uh, in university for finance, which I think when you're like a first generation immigrant, you're either medicine, finance, you know, engineering, like one of those big fields. So I was in finance. I was uh, working as an intern straight out of university in finance, then full time. Uh, basically, that's where I saw my life going crazy hours. Uh, I thought I was going to maybe retire young, but no days off type of you know mentality. Um, and then at some point, my boss, who was very well traveled, he traveled all over the world. <clears throat> he saw that I was burning out and he was like, listen, just you have the days off. Just take a trip because you're not going to be productive if you keep working at the rate that you're working. So I took a trip and it was a uh, four, four nights, five days uh, in UAE and with like a long layover in Amsterdam. So I was able to see Amsterdam for the whole day and then UAE. And I was like, wow. It's amazing how much you could get done in four days. Everyone that I know always travels for like a week, two weeks. And if you live in America, this type of travel is not sustainable because you don't have that much time off. Uh, so I started taking weekend weekend trips. I would literally take one day off every other month or two days off. And I would travel on long weekends. Um, people started asking me many questions about like, what can you possibly do in four days? So many repetitive questions. So I decided to create a website. Well, someone recommended that I create a blog. I knew nothing about blogging at the time, uh, but I really wanted people to stop asking me questions or to just like direct them to one place. So I started popping my uh, itineraries on a website and kind of like the rest I could say is, is history. A couple of months into my blogging phase, I got picked up by large publications um business insider was the first they were like wow. you travel on long weekends you're a young professional you're perfect for the demographic of our followers uh that were like young professionals that maybe have the money to travel but don't have the time so they posted an article about me and it went viral it was completely unexpected and after that i got picked up by a few more publications and then everything kind of just started snowballing like this industry that i didn't even know existed, uh, kind of came to reality in front of me. And brands were offering money, uh, tourism boards were offering free trips. And I was like, what? Like, are you serious? <laughs> like out of a hobby, 
you know, there is a business opportunity. And I like I was super young. I mean, I'm still super young. But back then I was like, listen, if if I'm ever going to take the chance, the leap of faith, it better be now. Because if anything doesn't work out, I could go back into finance. I'll find a job. It's not going to be like too big of a break in my resume. And yeah, so I, I continued traveling on long weekends for a little while. I saved money. And then I just resigned, gave myself like a six month buffer and said, let's see how much I could do in six months. And that's it. The rest is history. Cool. So first of all, I, I, I've got to say I that that wasn't too long. Right, right. I, I've got to say that we have the like a very similar background because my parents are immigrants from Ukraine as well, but to Israel. Uh, so oh, my okay. mom is from Odessa and my father is from Donetsk. So uh, uh, um, yeah, I've been I've been wow. traveling as well a lot. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, um, half of my family moved to Israel too. So we kind of like split. Uh, half got of it, my family is is in Ashdod, and then the rest of us are here. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Ashkelon, which is near Ashdod. So a lot. So it's pretty much all connected. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Now I do want to uh, jump a little bit. So you know, you, when you started doing content for travel, it was I guess mainly text because it was a website and it was before the whole Instagram mm-hmm. TikTok thing. Of course, one of the things that I'm asking a lot content creators, you know, how do you see the evolvement of content in travel over time? And uh, then the uh, uh, how do you see the evolution of this? Like, what would be the future? Sure, I that's a great question. I think right now it's an indisputable fact that we're moving into video, especially short form video. Um, we've seen this with TikTok, obviously. That I think they were well, maybe Vine was the first to introduce right, right, this right. concept, but Vine people was, don't remember Vine. You but know, it was, it was kind of like in its infancy. Yeah. It was a thing and it was a big thing. And I think that was maybe like the start of short form video uh, and then TikTok, obviously. And now now Google is actually going to start including short form videos in Google search. So basically what you see, if you go on Facebook and you see Reels reposted on Facebook, soon when you're going on Google, you will see short form video on, on Google as well. So that's definitely where we're heading. I mean, Instagram switched up its entire platform it's no longer a photo sharing app which is unfortunate because i I still think that there's you know a big demographic of people who prefer to see images and and photography is still an art but we have to assimilate to where you know content is going um but with that said i still think that blogging and text content is very important um you know even if you look at like a basic example of looking for things for an itinerary you know, watching a video is great, but you still have to take that information and either screenshot it or write it down, you know, so having a blog and having that text, you know, the best places to eat in Italy is still very valuable, you know, just as valuable, in my opinion, as looking at a video and screenshotting those 10 places off of like a TikTok or a reel. But the evolution of content since I started has been interesting and and very drastic. I look at stats on my blog with how much time people spend on posts and of course readability and just attention spam has went down <laughs> over the last six years. And I think that's why these short form videos are are doing so well because people just don't have time and, and not that they don't have time, but they're not as interested anymore. You know, you, you can't keep their interest for too long because they're always searching for the next thing, next thing, next thing. Right. So the time spent is, is, is very, very, very low. And the attention is very low. But 
You know, one thing that from your story, sure. at least, um, is, is pretty bold is that when you started, there was not a it wasn't like a huge thing being a travel blogger. You were pretty much a pioneer, especially in yeah. your demographic or your kind of audience. And today it's so easy because you can start making videos in, in a click of a button. It takes two minutes. You can go everywhere in the world. It's traveling is easier today as well. So the whole content thing is just exploding. And, yeah. what, and one of the things, of course, that people are asking themselves when they're becoming creators, which I'm very eager to hear, you know, that your tips uh, for is, is what do you do when there's so much competition out there? How do you stand out as a creator? And the chances of you being picked up by Business Insider are not as high as they were, you know, 10 years ago. Sure. That, that's another good question. Well, that's the Thank thing. You. Competition <laughs> is good, right? Like, uh uh, competition is a good thing. I mean, if there are a lot of people, like there are so many people watching that chances are you, there will be an audience for you, you know, but with that said, like you have to be providing value. And right now I'm teaching a masterclass to my students, my blogging students. And the one thing that I tell them is that before every post and after every post, ask yourself, like, what is the reader or what is the viewer going to get out of this? Like, be honest with yourself and answer that question. So I think if you're providing value, that's what people want. And even if there are many people providing value, that's fine. Because at the end of the day, the end consumer, the, the reader, the viewer, they just want to get something out of it, whether it's saving time, saving money, being inspired, being, you know, entertained. Um, and they could get it from multiple sources, sure, but you could be one of those sources, just like there are many, many businesses that exist and they compete with each other. That's healthy, right? Like it's healthy for the economy, it's healthy for the creator economy. Um, and I think perfecting your craft and perfecting your skill uh, will always, always be of benefit to you because at the end of the day, you're bringing, you're building your own brand um, and these skills can transform into a different business opportunity later on if you know how to brand yourself if you know how to sell yourself if you know you've perfected your craft as a photographer or videographer or writer right um i think that's the part that people forget because they get really overwhelmed with the workload and they forget that they constantly have to work on themselves whether you're taking courses watching youtube videos you know uh going out taking lessons but you have to be good at what you do whatever it is that you're doing and there's right. always room for improvement on top of that. So, you know, that's that's a great point. But I think there's another point that is pretty much bold with your uh, Instagram account, for example, is that you have a real community of people who are not only, uh, uh, you know, watching your videos or watching your uh, uh, content. Uh, they also were there to help you support refugees from Ukraine when you wanted to uh, uh, fundraise some of this stuff. Tell me a little bit about how do you see community yeah. development and how do you take uh, uh so, so much of your influence into doing stuff that are not trivial at all yeah uh you know i still with every fundraiser that i do every time that i ask my audience for something i still go through this big mental barrier of like is it okay to ask should i be asking you know like am i giving enough in return and i think that's what it comes down to like this concept of value I know that I provide a lot of value to my audience and I strive to do that through my blog, through my content, you know, across all my social channels. And when I do these fundraisers, I think in a way that adds even more value to people because they are doing a good deed 
and I'm giving them the opportunity to see where, you know, their money, their donations, their support is going. So I always try to make it like a two-way street. Um, but yeah, like loyalty is built on the foundation of value. So because I know I give a lot when I do these fundraisers, I, I know that people are going to give back to me tenfold. And that's the beauty of it. Um, I, you know, altruism, like if I had the opportunity to not post anything that I do, I would, because I actually hate getting compliments. Like I hate when people write to me and like, tell me how amazing I am. Like, it makes me very uncomfortable. I don't know how to react to these things, but when you're doing fundraisers and you have a responsibility in front of thousands of people, you have to show it. You have to build credibility. You know, like we have to do these videos. We have to take these photos, not because we want to show off what we're doing, but because we know that the more credibility we build, the bigger the fundraiser will be next time, next time, next time. So that's the logic behind the work. And, and I think I'll, I'll quote Spider-Man in this case, and I'll say that with, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> And and you're taking and you're taking so much of your influence into into good ways. And I want to dig deep into this a little bit more because we we're working at Wonder with you know thousands of different creators from all over the states, and and you know those people have a lot of power. They have they have their communities with them. They have yeah. They have their say. How how do you think about your influence? How do you think about you know taking some of your influence not only from for the, the value that you're giving to your community, but to use the power of your community to do good on the world in the world. That I, I think that there are different levels of influence. Uh, there are influencers, we'll just use the term for the purpose of this conversation, but there are influencers that could post a link to a product and all of their followers are so loyal, they will just click on it and buy it. You know, so there's like that type of influence. I think that I fall into the sphere of influence where I could really shift and navigate people's opinions, uh, which is also a very important type of influence. So I research and, and triple check everything that I post when it comes to like factual information. Um, I'm very vocal about, you know, many issues. I can't cover all the ground, but the ground that I can cover I do a lot of research on and I have many conversations, you know, personally, like in DMs via email, uh, because opinion is a big deal, you know? So if you could change someone's mind about a certain topic, like that could literally, you know, if, if enough people change their mind, that could change the course of an entire topic. And there were influencers that were involved in political campaigns, you know, and, and it's like, I think influencers have so much power these days and it's just growing and growing and growing. But uh, there are different levels to it. So it just depends on, I guess, the niche that you're in. Got it. And so you, you just mentioned my next question, which is the niche that you're in. And, and one of the, the questions that creators are always asking themselves, uh, even, even if they're growing, like, you know, things are changing all the time. Um, some of the content mm -hmm. uh, niches are becoming more competitive. Sometimes it's just not enough value for the readers. How do you go about uh, 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 digging into one niche and becoming like an expert in this specific mm -hmm. niche versus going wider and becoming like a stage for a few topics. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm teaching like niche now in my master class. And I would say that when I started, I my niche was like long weekend travel. Like if we want to be very specific, I was very focused on these long weekend getaways 
and people that followed me knew that they could get itineraries for these long weekend trips. But that has evolved over time. And now even even like today, I ask myself how would I label, you know, me as a content creator? I love storytelling. And I think a lot of my work in, in recent years was just this like topic of acceptance and empathy and cultural expert exploration and trying to tie together things that might seem uh, very foreign to you and tie it back to your own life and your existence and like this recognition that people could live completely different lifestyles with completely different belief systems, but at the core, we're all the same and we're all inherently good. And I think if that's like, that's the message that I try to send through most of the trips that I do now, especially I spend a lot of time in the Middle East or like countries that are just generally like questionable in the Western world and trying to just show people that, uh, you know, things are not always what they seem, you know, right. and that we should be very cautious of the information that we take in, how we take it in, how we process it, you know, and like just question everything basically. <laughs> right. The motto. But yeah, I like right now, you know, I'm still in the travel niche, but uh, I think like cultural exploration is, uh, more me now than you know these like long weekend trips or or something like that right um so you've been mentioning your master class a few times and and i think this is a good opportunity to talk a little bit about it because we have so many content creators and like have you know so much uh, value out of this so tell us a little bit about your master class uh yeah i'm just very excited about it but this is the only master class that i'm i'm doing ever <laughs> so i'm not gonna do any more uh but you know, I I was struggling with imposter syndrome for like almost two years. I've been building out this course to teach people how to blog, like how to build a six figure blog. And even with, you know, all of my knowledge and my expertise, I was still second guessing myself and thinking like, can I really teach this? You know, will people get the value that I think they will get? And I, I finally decided to do it. And I think I could see now that like teaching is a natural progression for many content creators who have succeeded in their field because there's room for success, you know, like there's room on top for everyone. And I'm a firm believer in that, like not competition, but collaboration. And I know that like my students now, they remind me of me back when I started, which makes me so excited because I know that they literally have the same opportunity you know, to be on the same level as I am now, or to just discover something new about themselves and maybe shift and pivot to a different business, you know, and like lead a completely new and exciting lifestyle. Uh, so yeah, I think like teaching is very important. Um, mentoring is very important. And sometimes people just need the push, like they, they could do it, but their head's not allowing them to. Right. So that push is very important. And I'm giving that push now. Yeah. That, that's great and and i think you're you're super right because we see those academies for content creators uh that are you know being est being established all over the web now with you know the nas academy of nas daily with, with lost leblanc academy uh yeah with so many uh and so it is very very natural but one thing that you know some of the creators are not feeling very comfortable teaching and content creators are um desperately looking today for the best way to monetize their content in their specific character that, that mm -hmm. works best for them. How would you go about this? Because this topic is being, you know, uh, uh, discussed everywhere in the creator economy. 
And especially it's extremely important for the ecosystem mm-hmm. of content creation because content creation is so hard. It takes so much time to make this content. And if you're not making a living off of this, you, you just can't, you know, doing the, keeping, yeah. like, you can't keep doing this for a long time. So how would you go about content monetization that is not teaching or mentoring? Yep. So, well, content creation, just this fear is like the wild, wild west right now, especially in the States, because the market is, it's saturated, perhaps even oversaturated. And there are so many people that don't know their worth and they drag the entire industry down because that's how it works. Like they have very cheap rates and brands in general are struggling to figure out what makes sense. Um, it all, all of this also depends on the industry that you're in. So I could speak to travel and travel is unique because it's quite difficult to measure ROI. Right. Uh, because when you're selling a trip, selling a destination, selling a flight, that, that's not something that people just like buy on a whim. And when they do buy it, they won't always necessarily go back to your links or your coupon codes or, you know, whatever like mechanism tool you're using to promote these things. Uh, so But at the same time, like aside from measuring ROI, it's also just how you value your time, right? So if I'm creating content for, you know, an airline or a tourism board, I I can't only take into account how how many people are going to book this flight after me. That's not correct. You also have to think about the money that you spent on your gear, the money that you spent on learning how to do photography, videography, the money that or the time that you're spending to create this content, to think about it. So there's lots of different factors. And Generally, what I see right now is that people either undervalue themselves or they strongly overvalue themselves. And this leaves brands very confused. Um, Having control over your own money is definitely launching a course or having a tangible product or having an online product because then you're in full control. Like you could do the marketing for it. You know exactly what your ROI is going to be. You're going to be selling it. You're going to be creating it. Working with brands is like you might have a month where you're making a ton of money and you're having a bunch of campaigns, and then you might have three months of no campaigns. So I think creators that are monetizing their work or just starting in in this industry should really think about, you know, how much of a buffer do they have um, to survive financially? Like, you know, can you live for three months without making any money at all? Because that's how it works right? Like you could be pitching and pitching and pitching. Brands are businesses too. They're cyclical. You know, they might have a lot more money during the holidays and in the summer there's a drought and you as a creator are at the mercy of that. So my recommendation is brand work is amazing, but the end goal should always be your own product. You know, there's very few creators in the space that are constantly making money off of brand deals. And I think even the big creators that are making really big, you know, signing really big contracts, they still ultimately end up having their own product or a capsule collection with someone or just something that they have more control over. Right, right, right. And uh, the next question is, you know, we were talking about monetization, but the next question after monetization is always the algorithms. So that's like something that we hear internally in the company, for Mm -hmm. example, all the time. So creators are like, obsessed over you know youtube algorithm or the instagram algorithm or the tiktok algorithm how do they how do you break the algorithm and you know some creators um are going just saying hey i'm just making good content and and if it works it works i mean that i'm not looking at the, at the yeah. algorithm 
But then you're seeing, you know, a completely different approach for, you know, Mr. Beast, for example, is going a completely data-driven um, approach. Um, how do you see this kind of stuff? And, yeah. and especially how do you see that in travel? Yeah, this is a conversation we have all the time. I think, you know, my approach is definitely if you're creating great quality content, regardless of how it's doing, you should keep putting it out. However, without, uh, you know, completely discounting the trends and where the direction of content is heading, because certain content does well for a reason, because people are watching it, you know, so you don't necessarily have to jump on every trend, but you do have to be conscious of where, which trends might fall within your niche that you could try to hop on for growth. That's if your focus is growth. Um, But you are always at the mercy of, you know, these algorithms and not just the algorithm, but the fact that Instagram can shut down, like it's shut down before and it wreaked havoc, you know, like people were like, this is it. The ones that are making, you know, all of their money from this one platform, it could be gone tomorrow. And that's a question that you should ask yourself, what are you going to do? Right. You know, and I think this comes back to the monetization aspect where like, if you're putting all your eggs into the social media basket, you know, you're at a risk right? So you have to be able to diversify. Um, but yeah, it, I think we're all at the mercy of the algorithm. And regardless of how you look at the numbers, like it's very obvious that on Instagram, if you're posting photos, they're just not going to give you the growth or the performance that you could expect from reels, for example, right? So that's like an aspect where you have to think, will I continue posting photos or am I going to evolve into short form video. I think it just all depends on the strategy that you have and the kind of content creator that you are. Nice. Okay. And the the last question is, if you were to start over tomorrow, uh, would you still choose travel? And uh, uh, how would you go about this in today's environment, environment, of course? Yes, yes, for sure. I would choose travel. Um. I really want to have a private plane license. So I think I would do my journey of getting my like PPL and flying uh, in different countries on my own. I think I would do that as like my initial like niche, but it's, it's hard to say because now that I have all this experience, especially like with cultural exploration, I, I can't go back from it. You know what I mean? So, but if, if I were to start over, I think I would do my, my PPL or I would, try to go to all the countries in the world. Like I would focus on this one kind of like goal that people could follow me along with. Yeah. Cool. So thank you so, so much. And I'm still going to get my PPL. So, <laughs> right. And, and uh, I will, I'll, I'll, I, I think this is a really good topic. So if you are starting a new blog with your PPL, you know, traveling around, even in the States and just discovering places with your own plane, that would be, that would be a cool way to go. That's for sure. I know. <laughs> Cool. So I know, but I just don't want to be in the States. So it'll be somewhere else. <laughs> got it. Got it. Okay. So that's great. Thank you so, so much. And as you recommend your uh, uh, masterclass students, uh, if we're, if I'm looking at this piece of content that we've created here together, I think this will be amazing for any creator to listen to and any uh, industry executive. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for all of your insights. Awesome. I really, really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on.